You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. Pete the Vet joins me now in studio. Pete, hello. Good morning. Good morning. So we're just talking about humans breeding dogs, and obviously dogs have been domesticated for a long number of years, and mm. they have changed. You know, and yeah. you mentioned like some of the, they're more docile, they're more you know domestic, I guess, whatever. Mm. But it's not always a good thing, is it? No, I mean, the, the research that was done, that was been discussed yesterday, shows how the brain has changed so that dogs um, with certain characteristics, like dogs that are good at smelling, breeds that are good at smelling, have got bigger bits of the brain that can smell. Um, well, that can be handy too if you have super yeah. dogs, I suppose, because dogs can detect things like cancer now, can't they? But they can, and they're, they're remarkably good at doing that. And, and they also discovered, for example, that some of the dogs that are used for Police dogs uh, are better able to, to use their sight as well um, because we, we've bred them selectively to have the skill of, of spotting criminals and running after them. And how does that work? Is it, is it a question of taking dogs that are naturally good at doing that? I mean, we're not, looking, we're not messing with their DNA. No, we? no, no, no. But we, basically, it's, it's kind of like we're exerting our own evolutionary forces. So... Um, that's what breeders have always done. Same as breeders of plants have done. Breeders of plants have chosen to breed from, let's say, roses that have a particular appearance, and they they breed just those ones together, and so you end up with a rose that has uh, uh, um, exactly the attributes you want it to have. And the same applies to dogs. So if somebody wanted to have a dog that was smaller than other dogs, they'd only breed from smaller versions of the current dogs, and ultimately then the dog breed gets smaller and smaller and smaller and so you have a, a, uh, a particular type of dog and the same applies to many other characteristics so yesterday you're talking about how the brain has been af affected and humans did that by choosing dogs that had certain behaviors but more obviously what breeders have done is they've chosen they, they've chosen animals on the base basis of their physical appearance and that's been probably the most obvious thing that dog breeders have done over the over the centuries so now you have dogs like a Pekingese and you have dog like a, um, a Great Dane and they're utterly different in appearance but they're the same species and that, what that means is that um, a peak could breed with a Great Dane. You know, they, they are, they're, 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 their genes are close enough for them to do that. But, but we've artificially decided that we wanted these different appearances and so we've selectively I'd bred them the for Great that Dane reason. I the Great Dane is the bitch. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't, I'd hate to think of the outcome. <laughs> so uh -huh. when does it, you hear about new dogs, uh, new, new breeds of dog. Mm. When can you actually, when does a dog become a new breed? Like, you, like sort of mm. Labradoodles and these yes. sorts of things. How, how are they defined there? Well, you see, this is all made-up human stuff, really. Um, generally, it's done through organisations such as the Kennel Club, and every country will have its own Kennel Club. There's the Irish Kennel Club, and there's the Finnish Kennel Club. Every country has their own. And what happens is the Kennel Club would take a look. They'd say, well, you know, somebody's been breeding this type of dog, and they now go back, like, um, I don't know, four generations, and... For all those generations, the dogs have a consistent appearance, um, and there's enough of this type of dog that they can breed with each other without being inbred in a way that's very negative, and therefore we accept that we'll call this a new breed. Um, but people it like. It happens rarely, does it, I presume? It's, it's quite rare, yes. Mm -hmm. And in recent years, um, animal welfare campaigners and vets have got quite vocal about the fact that very often breeds of dog are really about human vanity more than about the, the health and welfare of the animal. And in particular, for example, there are some breeds that have very definite health problems um, and the only reason they have health problems is because humans have chosen 
to, to, to create the appearance of a dog which is associated with health problems. And now we're starting to say, well, that's just wrong. And if we're producing breeds of dogs, we should make sure that the breeds that we produce are very healthy, happy individuals. Um, as an example of what can go wrong, nearly all bulldogs um, need to have a cesarean section because they can't breed naturally. And, you know, that's just that's, that's just wrong. wrong. It is wrong. You, know? you, you hear about some of the dogs with the very flat faces and they yes. can't breed the, yeah. the whole time. And it, it looks uncomfortable. It looks else. uncomfortable and they actually have physical problems, many of them. So they, I, I know some dogs that um, when they get excited, they, they can't breathe and so they literally collapse, they fall over um, because they've been half suffocated. And it's only when they're lying there on their side that all the tissues in their in their throat relax, they're able to get some air again, and they can breathe again. Um, and so oh, those dogs actually need to have operations, surgical operations, to, to widen their airways. Yeah. I mean, it's just, why don't we, inst instead of being focused on these particular breeds, what we should be saying is, how could we modify those breeds to make them healthier, to make their breathing easier, for example? Or another example would be there are some breeds of dog that are very, very prone to particular diseases like cancer. And that happens because, as well as choosing the genes that um, make the dog look a particular way, we've actually happened to have chosen genes that also cause cancer. So, you know, we, we, we really, the kennel clubs, rather than focusing very much on the appearance of the dog, they should be equally focusing on the health of the dog. How can we, how can we create breeds that um, have great lives, that are really fit, healthy, and don't develop cancers, don't develop heart disease, don't develop brain disease? And I have to say, some of the kennel clubs and um, around the place are actually doing a really good job of dealing with health as much as they are dealing with appearance. And that's to be encouraged because that's the future. What should happen is that when people um, buy a particular breed of puppy, um, they end up with an animal that has a long, happy, healthy life. And that should be our, our number one goal. Absolutely. And because also if you think about it, you know, dogs are they're, they're part of the family. Very much children so. Children in the family. So yeah. the last thing you would want is your child to fall in love with their dog and then for it to have a premature death or some sort of mm. condition that made them, like, they can't even run around because they can't breathe properly. That's yes, a horrible idea. It is. And, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of commentators nowadays, like myself, would be saying to people, rather than looking for a, a, a pedigree puppy, you'd probably better to look for a rescue mixed breed dog um, that's a very healthy individual. Um, it's not a panacea. There are some rescue dogs, obviously, that do have problems. And one of the advantages of pedigree dogs is you can actually get some predictability about what's going to happen, um, how the dog's going to turn out as an adult dog. But nonetheless, there probably is a halfway house somewhere whereby we, we, we start to be better at... Um, uh, producing pedigree dogs that that are really fit for purpose, mm. and that that's what that's what everybody's trying to do. I think also I look at like the German Shepherd, which is a very handsome dog, mm. but the really really pedigree ones they're so slopy in the back. That to me looks like a deformity, except it's it's a thing of beauty, isn't it? And the, and the well, it's ugh. well. You see what happens. Unfortunately, the show ring is quite guilty of this. Is mm. that? Um, a, a judge might give a prize to a dog that has a particular, slightly quirky appearance. The next thing, everybody's trying to get their dog to have a similar quirky appearance. And it's like everybody's gone up a blind alley. alley. All of these top-end breeders are trying to reproduce something that they think is going to win. And the focus goes off the animal's health and onto this quirky appearance. And that's an example of mm, that. It's horrible. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's a challenging area because um, I, nobody really wants 
to have unhealthy dogs. Nobody wants to create dogs that have problems. But it kind of happens accidentally when their complete focus is on the appearance. So it should not be about appearance. I mean, yes, you want to have lovely looking animals, but they don't need to ha have distorted features. Uh, um, they, they, should, they should be fundamentally about fitness and health. Mm. I must say, I'm a great believer in mongrels. <laughs> yeah. I've always had mongrels and rescue dogs too yes. as well. Yes. Uh, you were asking me outside about, do I have a dog? My daughter has this dog. It's called mm. Bart. He's got a lovely mm. patch on one eye, white dog, a patch on his bum. And um, he is a Labrador pointer cross. We're mm. not quite sure. Very mm. handsome dog. Yes. Very clever dog. Very <laughs> loved dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So much so, he's getting on a bit now. Well, he, we almost thought he was going to go there recently. Mm. But uh, my daughter has a Jeep because she works with horses. Mm. So, but she bought him a ramp so he can walk up because he, he can't jump into the Jeep anymore. Oh, right. So yeah, he that's has a, like a wheelchair yeah. ramp to get right. into the back of the Jeep. <laughs> he sounds like a very much cherished dog, oh, all right? He, I tell you, when I come back in another life, I want to be one of my daughter's <laughs> pets, that's for sure. <laughs> and so tell me also, mm. on a separate note, it's coming now to September, back to, mm. back to uh, school, kids are all back at school. Mm. What tasks should the kids be doing with their dogs now? Is there anything this time of year? Grooming, well, fleas, Well, well I, 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 I think that everybody, when it comes to preventive health care, everybody should have a conversation with their vet about what they need to do mm -hmm. because um there's a number of um parasites that can be very dangerous to dogs and also some that can be dangerous to humans and the thing is that they're very easy to prevent and it could be as simple as a spot-on product on the back of the dog's neck it's come uh, on a long uh, way hasn't uh, it uh, when i was a child it, it, oh. absolutely I, I remember when i was a kid and my cat had fleas and i remember dousing them with a horrible white Powder, yes, some chemical yes. thing and the poor cat hated it and of i was course. coughing my guts out afterwards yeah. too inhaling all sorts how, of terrible how does it work the thing in the back of the neck how, is it a, yeah. does it go into the bloodstream or, well, or? The, funny enough there's different types um the, the the first type would be one which is a um it's a it goes into the fatty layer of the skin so it literally spreads all over the skin of the animal and then if a flea um, bites the, the, the dog or the cat, then the, the flea dies. That's the first kind. The second kind is absorbed through the skin into the bloodstream, and then it circulates around the body, it, body in the blood. And those types also will kill fleas if the, or ticks if they bite them. But as well as that, um, they, they'll kill worms inside the animal because, because they, they're in the bloodstream. Oh, yeah. okay, that's so cool. I think one of the is big... Is September the time of year you, you do this? You is should that? be doing it continually, yes. Oh, right, okay. uh, one of the big myths out there is that a spot-on is a spot-on. In other words, that they're all the same. They are not all the same. And one of the things I find frustrating is somebody will come in with their pet crawling with fleas and they'll say to me, but I used a spot-on just last week. And I'll say, show me the spot-on. So they show me the product which they bought in a pet shop or a supermarket. And the product, when you look at the small print, it just contains herbs and it says things like, this may help to control fleas. Now, may help to control fleas is completely different to this will kill fleas. And, and so people get have this illusion that a spot-on is the same wherever you get it from. But I, it absolutely is not. And what I'd be saying to people is if you want the most effective and safe um, parasite control products, you are better to go to the vet. Now, these products are newer. They've been developed in more recent years. They're more expensive because they haven't yet gone out to the generic level. Um, but they're also much better. Uh, and if you've got a serious problem, they're definitely what you should be using. Do fleas, do dog fleas pass to humans? What they do is they nibble humans. <laughs> they decide, I mean, they, they, decide they, they decide they don't like the <laughs> taste, nibbling. thank you very much, and then they, they go away again. So people often find, like I know myself, if I go into a house where there's lots of fleas, I'll find my ankles get itchy because what's happened is the fleas have hopped up 
from the carpet <laughs> onto my ankles and have nibbled them and said, nah, we're not going to infest him and we go away again. Wow. So, no, they're, they're quite species, relatively species specific. Do they hop between maybe cats and dogs? Yes, they, they do dogs and cats and hedgehogs, share okay. fleas. Okay, that's, that's nice. <laughs> 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 and so what else should people be doing? Say, I'm thinking about during the summer it's easy to exercise your pets because you're out and about and yeah. all the rest of it. Um, but any, any advice for, you know, kids are back in school now, maybe they have a dog, how would they keep their pets fit? Well, I think it's really important that animals get, get enough attention and exercise size and if you can't do it yourself and sometimes people you know they, the kids are at school and the parents may both be working and the dog is then left at home alone now that's not great for a dog um, and ideally you shouldn't have a dog in those sort of circumstances I guess but what you, what what, uh, what is widely available now which is quite new is doggy daycare and this is a tremendous well, I idea heard of this. oh it's tremendous it came in from the states and it, at first we thought that'll never take off in Ireland but it has taken off and now I think most small towns are some sort of facility like that so basically what your dog does is your dog goes off um, it's like the dog going to school almost. They spend the day um, in some facility, often is it like a big kind of shed or warehouse type thing, and there's dog toys there, there's water bowls, and there's people to supervise the dogs. And the dogs just have fun playing together. And they spend the day doing that, and at the end of the day, they're exhausted. Not only at the end of the day they're exhausted, but the following day, they're also just worn out worn out so you could do maybe do even a few days a week yes, so exactly. another cost of fortune then, so, so I, I, yeah. I I think if you maybe schedule something like a Tuesday and a Thursday for your dog to go to d doggy daycare you'll find you have a much more contented dog um, one of the things that annoys people about their pets is when their pets behave badly so you might have a dog barking a lot or a dog chewing things it shouldn't chew uh, now those animals are only doing that because they're bored so if you give them two days a week of doggy daycare they're far less likely to have those um, those problem behaviours. Wow. And tell me, what's your viewpoint on dogs in the beds? Well, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I'd be completely individual on that. It depends on your dog. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I mean, I've got a cat that sleeps on my bed, and I, I love that. There's something very, very... Um, pleasant and reassuring about having the presence of an animal near you sometimes. Mm. Just the warmth, the heartbeat, the gentle noise of them breathing. It's just, it's, it's one of the life's little luxuries, I think. So if you've got a dog that sleeps in your bed, that's absolutely fine. Yes. And an amazing number of people do. What does begin to surprise me is when people actually have them sleeping in the bed with them, under the sheets, <laughs> right beside them. People do that a lot. They, yes, yes. I've seen it. My brother and his wife have a cat that he gets in between them. He, and, and he won't let my, my brother near. He loves Sue, so he pushes away. So Johnny's at the end of the bed. And, I'm going, oh. and when, when I cat sit for them sometimes... I have to lock my door because he wants to get into my fair way. I'm going, no, I can't have a I just, I, I appreciate what you're saying and it does sound lovely. But for me, it's a step too far having a, a cat in a bed with me. I think it's a very individual thing. It's yeah. each, each for us all to decide what suits us. I think what you don't want is an animal affecting your life in a negative way. So if you don't want your dog in the bed and it keeps on getting on the bed, well, then there's a problem. Yes, that makes great yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, cats off my bed, not not, not um, So that's so. Any any other advice for kids? Say so back to school. Anything else you want to suggest them? Check, keep their fleas. Um, no, I like I say. Um, I would say to people, um, every every animal will benefit a lot from having a once a year check from your vet, a once a year check. And when you have that once a year check, then they'll take you through the important aspects like worm control, like 
um, other parasite control, and also vaccinations. Not all pets need to have vaccination once a year, but I do think that all pets should have a vaccine review every year where you actually talk to the vet about what you need to do for your pet to make them healthy. And uh, the vet will also talk to you about other aspects of their lives, um, such as their nutrition, what are they being fed on, and, you know, what is their general health and and, and um, wellness, uh, and often there are small health issues you mightn't be aware of, such as dental disease, such as overgrown claws, um, some bits of matted fur. Often there's little small tweaks the vet can do which will help your pet have a better life. Perfect. So we suggest that back to school, back to the vet. Yeah, good idea. Brilliant. I like that. <laughs> well, thank you very much again for your time. Peter. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.